Well, it's good to be here. I didn't look back. I have some filled up since I... Good to see each one of you. Happy Father's Day to each one of you. Uh, I hope you'll continue to pray for me as I stand before you. I've got uh, always, always need your prayers. I want to say, he brought something to my mind talking about the faithfulness of God. Uh, the Apostle Peter brought up that the Apostle Peter said, I would, uh, uh, I'll stay with you. I'll not forsake you. I'll always be. Uh, when all men forsake you, I'll not forsake you. And you know that he did deny the Lord. Now, the amazing thing to me in that was, and you find it in Mark Friday, in the last chapter of Mark, uh, when the Lord arose and the, and the women went to the tomb, uh, the angels said, you go tell uh, the disciples and Peter. And it was important that they tell Peter because Peter had denied him. Now, that was important. They, they mentioned, you go tell the disciples and you tell Peter. Now, we won't. He wanted Peter to be comforted in the knowledge that he had arose. To me, that was that shows the great compassion that the Lord has for His children, even when we are unfaithful. It shows the amount of compassion that we that He has. I've got a. Uh, I want to talk. Uh, some out of the book of uh, Hebrews this morning, if I can, while I while I stand before you, uh, I've got I, I've turned over to the tenth chapter of Hebrews. If you want to turn there, that's where I want to try to talk from. But Hebrews is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I think it always has been. It seems seems like if you ask most preachers, and a, a lot of them will tell you that Hebrews is is the, one of their favorite books. And it it explains a lot concerning uh, the things that happened in the Old Testament. I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, and it tells us how much better the New Testament is than the Old Testament. And it, it, yeah, we know... It, it even begins, the very first verse in the Bible, I guess, tells us that we, we have a better uh, revelation of the things of God because, than what the, uh, uh, the Older Testament or the Older uh, uh, before Christ came. And it says that they were uh, prophets preached unto them. Now we have Jesus Christ preaching unto us. We have it directly from the mouth of God, in other words. So we have a better understanding of what God's will is for us. And it's, uh, my thoughts, I've been thinking the last three or four weeks, and I've tried to talk about different things in the, in the law three or four, uh, the last two or three times I've, I've tried to talk. And I do say tried, 
because that's the way I feel when I get down every time. I, I always feel like I just tried and I didn't do a good job. But uh, in the 10th chapter, it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comfort uh, comers thereunto perfect. I want to talk about the, some of the shadows that we have in the Old Testament, if I, if, uh, if I can, for a few moments in time. The 10th chapter is a wonderful chapter. It, the, the, the book of Hebrews was actually written to uh, correct some of the errors, I think, to the, the Jewish people had. They wanted to bring in some of the old traditions of the Jews. They, they had, uh, it was in their mind to, uh, a lot of the traditions that they had been brought up with, and, it, and you can understand that. It, if we're brought up in a certain belief, it's hard for us to get out from under that belief. It is really hard for us to get out from under. Uh, and that's the same way they were. It was hard for them to eliminate the traditions of their fathers and their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers. Uh, it was hard for them to eliminate those beliefs and to believe that this man, Jesus Christ, had satisfied everything that had been written concerning him beforehand. So the letters that he wrote to the Jewish people or the book to, uh, to the Hebrew children, and I assume that it's the Apostle Paul, but it doesn't really say who wrote it, but uh, we know that all things were written by the Spirit of God, so it was written, if it's in the Scriptures, we believe that it was written by the very Spirit of God. And some man pinned it down. That, that's sort of the way that we, I, I look at it anyhow. My wife was showing me this morning uh, a, a cake that uh, somebody was making. They, she said, can you imagine this? And she showed me a cake mix. They put a cake mix in, in a bowl and, and put an orange drink in it. And that was all it had in it if I understand what it said on it. Now, what she said was, I don't, uh, I don't know what it tastes like or what it looks like when it's finished because that's all it showed. Let's sort of what the Bible in the Old Testament did towards Christ. They didn't understand what it looked like when it was finished. It was healed. Didn't understand the taste of it when it was finished. So the Hebrew letter is trying to, or is explained, not trying to, but I'm trying to say what, it's trying, what it says, but it says that, uh, that it was finished, that uh, Christ finished his work of those things that was shadowed of him beforehand. I put it like that. He goes on. Uh, there's a whole lot in this. Uh, it says that those offerings, and the Lord accepted those offerings that was offered back there at that time. He, he had authorized and told them, he said, you make offerings, 
and it satisfied the comer, in other words, the sinner that brought the offering uh, to be offered unto uh, God for whatever sin that he had committed, he could go away with his conscience clear of that sin because God has accepted that offering at that time. But the minute that he walked away, and that's what he's saying here, the minute that that man walked away from that uh, offering, he began sinning again. And that offering didn't cover that sin that he was beginning to have, whatever that sin was. Uh, The offering that he had made previously did not cover that which was to come. That makes sense? Does to me. Does to me. That's what I think he's saying. And he said if it had covered it, in the next verse, if he if he had covered the sin that that uh, that was offered or, or that he was going to commit, there wouldn't have been any sense for him to have come back and made another offering uh, later on. But we know that they offered continuously. It was the tribe of Levite that God chose to make the offerings uh, in the uh, tabernacles and in the in the holy places that they were to make offerings. We have now what the apostle or what the uh, uh, writer of this is saying is that those offerings. And, and, and it goes on down. Those offerings, though they satisfied the conscience at that point in time, uh, they wasn't what God wanted. Because he, they were showing, they was a picture, they was a shadow. And I think if, we'd have had, if they'd have had cameras back in, it would have probably said this is a picture of that which is to come. It was a shadow of Jesus Christ which was to come. And not only Jesus, but it was a shadow of different things in, in the Scriptures. I want to go on down. Uh, it says, then said, uh, and, and, and the whole point that he's making in the 10th chapter is, I want you to understand, he, he was wanting the, uh, the Jewish people, the people that he was writing to, to understand that those laws have been taken care of. The offerings have been taken care of. Everything had, uh, uh, that God had said before had been taken care of. And there was a new offer that had come in, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he had perfected everything that, was, uh, that had lacked in the law itself, that he had perfected it. And that we were weak in the flesh. We couldn't fulfill the law that God had commanded us to fulfill. So he says, I'll make a new covenant with them. I'll put my laws in their heart and I'll write them in their forehead. That was a witness according to this, that uh, according to the writings that he said, the, uh, the witness of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that is within our hearts. It witnessed us that we have Christ within us. That's a, we have a new covenant. We have that covenant within us. 
Now, I want to get some of the shadows, uh, some of the pictures, if I can, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to go on down, I think, around the... Uh, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to read a verse of Scripture in the 19th verse. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now, I want to go back and show you a picture, if I can, of just exactly what he's saying in this. If I, it, and if you'll go back to the fourth chapter of the book of Leviticus, you'll find that in the fourth chapter of Leviticus, they, uh, they made an offering for a sin, for sin, for sin. If a priest sinned, he was to do a certain thing, bring a bullet to a bull, a young bullet, young bullet to, uh, to be offered. He was to lay his hands on him. He was to kill him at that point in time and take the blood. Now, the blood is the life, and it represented the life, that, the blood. That, and all of this represents and is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that. It was a shadow of those things that was to come. He was to take the blood and he was to do certain things with that blood. And he was to take the liver and the kidneys and he was to burn them. When you take the liver and the kidneys and you burn the liver and the kidneys, uh, that's, that at that particular time, it, was, it represented the very same thing as we say that we love God with all of our all of our heart. The kidneys represent the affection of God. It represented the affection that that the, the pure, unadulterated love that they had for God. That's what it represented. And the liver represented the future. It, they they uh, in other words, it represented the everlasting love of God. Is what it, it's showing uh, when they burnt those things. But they took the they took the uh, uh, blood that the priest did, the, the appointed priest, he took the blood and he went into the sanctuary and he dipped his finger in the, in the tabernacle, in the holiest of holy places. And you know, this little church is a holy place. I, I, I hope you understand that. When, when Moses... Uh, went to the burning bush. You remember when he went to the burning bush, they, the Lord told him, he said, you take your shoes off for the place you stand upon is a holy ground. Anywhere that God is, is holy ground. And we pray that God is here today. And we need to take the shoes of our earthly shoes off in a figurative sense while we're here and walk upon holy ground. I want you to understand that this is this is part of it's all a great big humongous picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and his people and his church. That's what I want you to see. If I if I'm able to explain it in that sense, I want you to understand it in that way. He was to take his finger and he was to point take it inside the tabernacle, and inside the tabernacle. 
When you walked in, there was a candlestick that had seven lights on it. And I think I've tried to talk about that here. If I haven't, those uh, represent the very uh, 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 the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it tells us in Revelation. The candlestick is the church. Then the Lord is in the center of that church. In this, we are the church. We are the light of the world. We are this place here. Is the light of the world. When you walked in, that was the only light that was in that, inside of that tabernacle. And it burned continuously. And then there was a table of shewbread that represented the body and, and the things that you and I partake of today. The Holy Scriptures. It represented the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shewbread. And then there was the incense table that was before the curtain. The curtain was... Uh, it was before, or it separated the holiest of holies that the high priest went into once a year. And I want to get into that, if I can, a little bit. And that's what he's talking about here. We have boldness, brethren, to enter into the holiest of holies. But before I get into the, that part, I want to tell you about what the priest did to satisfy the sin that, uh, that he had committed. He took that bullock and he offered the sacrifice of it, put his hands upon it, laid the sins upon that bullock in a figurative sense, killed that bullock, took the blood, took the kidneys, the liver, burnt the kidneys and the liver, and that's very important. Uh, I don't, probably won't get into that right now because I want to... He took... I want to tell you what he done with the veil. He took the blood and he dipped his finger in the blood and he went into the tabernacle where all of that beforehand was mentioned and he dipped his finger in the blood and he sprinkled it seven times. Sprinkled it seven times. You know, I wondered about that. Why seven times? Because almost everything that they did back there to, to make it holy, to make the to consecrate the, the tabernacle, uh, to consecrate the priest, they would sprinkle seven times. Seven times. Do you know that the Lord shed His blood seven times before in His suffering, before His crucifixion, or during His crucifixion is the way I should put it. In the book of Isaiah, let me see if I can find the verse of Scripture. This thing not operating. Now it is. In the book of Isaiah, and I think a 50th chapter, I'll have to look here in a minute and tell you. Uh, yeah, in the book of Isaiah, in the 50th chapter, in the 6th verse, he says this. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair, I hid not my face from shame and spittle. Seven times our Lord shed his blood. When they plucked the hair from his cheeks, Brother Cole, if you plucked the hair and reached and jerked it out, and I'm sure they didn't do it gently when they did it, your face is going to bleed. 
Their, their whole purpose in that was to make him suffer. The whole purpose in everything that they did that night to the Lord Jesus Christ in the next day was to make him suffer. I want you to understand that. The ashes that they poured the, the, uh, that, was, that was burnt uh, uh, under, under that fire back there, where they, they took those ashes out of the camp and they put those ashes in a clean place and they took that bullock's body and they took it out and burnt it in that particular place, in that clean place. Oh, where are the ashes? And it says it twice in that chapter, where the ashes were poured out is where that was burnt. Those ashes represent uh, a picture unto us of the absolute burning of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ in His suffering. The absolute finishing of His work in His suffering. Everything that it represents. It shows us a great and wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and His suffering. You think about it. The first time that and it tells us that they plucked his beard. They plucked the beard, pulled it out. His face bled. They took him over to Pilate. They made a crown of thorns and put upon his head. They didn't make a crown of reeds and put up there, but they made a crown of real sharp thorns and put upon his head. It brought blood out of his head, didn't it? And then they strapped him. They gave my back to the spiders. They didn't just gently whoop him. They said that he was marred more than any man. Can you imagine the suffering that he went through? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he suffered greatly before he went into that suffering. It said that he shed, as it were, great drops of blood. Don't know where he shed blood or not. It doesn't matter. But he. But I want you to understand that seven times that he shed his blood. And I believe that's what that represents because it tells us here in the 20th verse that his body was that veil, was that veil that separated us or separated those people back there from the holiest of holies. They couldn't go in. The priest made their atonement. The priest, the high priest made their atonement. They put a crown of thorns upon his head. They drew blood. They smited his back. They drew blood. They nailed his hand and his other hand and his feet three times. They drew blood. And then when he gave up the ghost, they poured, punctured his side and he gave blood. It was seven times that our Lord suffered blood to be let from his body. I believe that's what that seven represents. It was seven is prevalent in the scriptures. He said, let us draw near. Uh, therefore, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I want, you to, I want you to think about for a moment in time. The old priest, when he made, he, he went into the holiest of holies one time a year to make atonement for the children of Israel. And God told him just exactly how to do it. He said, you, you uh, uh, 
you, you take a bullet and you bring it and you slay it. And that's, a, that's an offering for you and your family. The high priest had to have an offering for himself. I want you to look at the beautiful picture that, that this tells us because the Lord has made us kings and priests. We are, you are a priest of God. You are a tribe of Leviticus. You are the ones that receive the tithes from God now. You are the priest and the kings that, that, uh, that the Levitical tribe represented back there. A high priest went into the holiest of holies. He first went in to offer sacrifice for himself. And I don't believe that that priest went in there boldly offering that sacrifice. I think he went in trembling as a trembling because if he made a mistake, it was life or death for him. He went in trembling to offering the sacrifice unto God. I want you to notice what it took for him to go in to offer up sacrifice for himself. For himself and for the children of Israel. Now the high priest represented the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also represented us because the Lord had no sin, but we have sinned. He had sinned, the high priest at that time had sinned himself. He, had, he was a sinner like us. So he had to offer up a sacrifice for himself. Now I want you to notice the order that he did that just a moment. He, he first of all had to be washed, had to be cleaned. We have to be clean in order to enjoy or in order to even understand the things of God. Now we don't, our water that we take a bath in is not going to wash us. The baptism that we baptized in is not going to cleanse away our sins. But we are washed according to the scriptures by pure water. Pure water. That water has to come from God, doesn't it? That's the only pure water I know of anywhere. We are washed and made clean by the very same blood that was represented back there. We're washed. That priest had to be washed. The next thing that priest did was he went to the altar, the burnt offering, outside the tabernacle, where they offered the, uh, the kidneys and the liver, and he got a coal of fire, and he got a handful of incense, beaten small, the Scripture tells us. I want you to think about that. That coal of fire represented the suffering that our Lord and our Savior went through. Everything about that represented our Savior. Everything or every picture about that represented His suffering. That coal of fire that He took in to the holiest of holies where He met God, where I believe that we are today, where we meet God here today. That holiest of holies He went into, He took a, a coal from the fire and he took a handful of incense beaten small. And that incense is the body of Christ. That was, he was a sweet-smelling uh, offering unto God when he was upon the cross. Throughout all of his suffering, 
He was a he was what the sweet smelling incense represents back there. I want you to think about that. And it said that it was beaten small. Our Lord was beaten seven at all to pieces. He was his body was just tore all to pieces when he hung upon the cross of Calvary. And it was for a purpose. They knew how to torture people back then. And they tortured him above and beyond anything. But I want you to think about what he went in. He took that into the tabernacle of tabernacles, into the holiest of holies. And he put that incense upon the power that he had carried with him. And he and that incense raised up a, uh, a, a cloud, a beautiful cloud, a sweet-smelling cloud. And it was his offering unto God. And he did that before he was able to, that he might meet God. Now, we in the same sense of the word, when we come to, to, to worship our God, we need to bring that suffering of our Lord and our Savior with us. We need to remember the things that he has given and suffered for us. He said, I could I see the travail of my soul. He saw the travail of his soul and he was satisfied. He was satisfied with the offering that he made. But he, he dreaded it with a dread that any human being would have dreaded, I believe, with all of my heart. I believe he dreaded that offering that he was to, to offer because it said that he sweat and it was cold at night because they had, had a fire where the apostle Peter uh, stood around. So it had to have been chilly or he wouldn't have stood around that fire when the Lord was suffering. But the Lord said it was uh, it was so bad that the angel that God sent an angel down that he might that he might uh, 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 comfort him in his trial before his trial before his suffering. Can you imagine? That's what we're to bring in. We have to be cleansed by the blood of Christ before we can even enter into that holiest of holies. When we come, and he, he says in the ninth chapter, I believe it is, come, that we come boldly to the mercy seat. I believe we come to this little place here. When we come into this holy place, this, this place that is, uh, seems like it's the most holy place that we have here upon this earth, when God's people can meet together and we can praise and sing His, His precious name. When we can glorify and magnify His, His precious name. It is a holy place. And we are to bring in with Him the body of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are to enter into that. He says to come boldly. Uh, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. And he tells us how that we have that boldness is because of his suffering, because of his blood that he has shed for us. That's how we have that boldness. And then he says, let us draw near. Let us draw near with full in full uh, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In other words, be assured that the Lord Jesus Christ has died for you. That's what he's saying. Be assured, be comforted by the very fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has died for you. That he has accomplished that which we could not accomplish. 
that he has satisfied the laws of God that we could not satisfy, that he has sent us within us a witness that we are his uh, child by putting in our hearts his holy covenant. Those things to me are beautiful. They are a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the very first, the very first word. I, I, uh, let me let me say this: for the law, the law. You know, God gave Moses the law. He he said, "You come up on the mountain." I'm gonna, I, I won't throw this in, then I'm going to quit. He said, "You come up on the mountain, and I'll give you a law." And he he carried him up on the mountain, and and he gave him two stones. They were cut out. Hang on, I've got a, I've got the scripture. I'm gonna, I won't bring this out. It's another picture if I can. In the 32nd chapter of Exodus, it said, And the tables were the work of God, or the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tablets. That was the absolute spiritual work of God. The tablets were the work of God, and the graving upon those tablets were the work of God. When he come down from the mountain, you remember, the children of Israel were sinning and he cast them aside and break them. I believe that shows us a beautiful picture that the absolute perfection of God's laws we cannot keep. We cannot keep. Now listen to this now. He says, And the Lord said unto Moses, 34th chapter of his Exodus, And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee, Hew thee two tables of stone, like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were upon the first table which thou breakest. I want you to think about that now. The first one God hewed, and he wrote upon. The second one man hewed, and he wrote upon. The same laws, and it's just as sacred the first time as it was the second time, but man could not keep them the first time because they were too sacred so he handed them so he had Moses to hew out two more now I've wondered about that all my life because I, that was in there and I couldn't figure out to save my life what it, what it meant but I believe that it meant that there was one coming which was the Lord Jesus Christ that was able to take those stones and to fulfill them the, the very sacred song and fulfill them to, to a jot and a tittle. I mean, he it points directly to the Lord Jesus Christ in every aspect of it. You want to sit down. I thank you for your kind attention.